Welcome to Permaweb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the Permaweb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of Arweave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. In this episode of Permweb Pioneers, I'm speaking with Jakob and Marcin. Uh, Jakob is the founder of Redstone.finance and Marcin is head of growth. Jakob, welcome. Uh, hi, uh, it's our pleasure. Thanks for having us and uh, we're excited to, to talk. And Marcin, thank you so much for being here. It'll be great to discuss uh, growth and expansion of Redstone. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a great opportunity. All right, so Redstone, I think, can probably be defined in a number of ways. Um, one of which is it's a, high, it's a highly customizable kind of platform for getting DeFi data streams delivered quickly and reliably and, and cost effective. Um, Jakob, can you explain your version of how you, you know, share with the world what Redstone is fundamentally? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, yeah, you are quite right that uh, there are different angles you can you can see see us, and definitely that's the let's say that's the story of every startup that tries to reinvent themselves in the in the changing environment, especially the quick changing environment as blockchain. But essentially, what we focus on is to deliver interesting data feeds from various sources, mostly from external world, to blockchain protocols that can make most of it. And as you noted, uh, DeFi as the primary use case. Yes, we, we started with that because we've seen the most demand for, for prices, assets prices from DeFi protocols, because that's the, the, the place when the most activity happens. And that's the mostly commercialized area in blockchain right now. But technically, we are capable of linking, providing, de and delivering any kind of data to blockchain protocols. Thank you for that. Yeah, and we'll, we'll explore a bit further of what you mean uh, as far as any type of, of data. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of a bit of a wild ride and a conceptual leap, if you will, when we're, when we're actually bridging physical assets like crops and uh, and bridging that into the into the blockchain and block weave ultimately. Um, so to to start uh, in your journey, Jakob, I'm I'm curious, when did you get involved in blockchain development in general? When what was the impetus like? What what inspired you to begin on this this journey? Yeah, so it was quite accidental. So actually, I used to work in more. Tradfi, uh, working in fintech, and then in 2016, I moved with, with my family to London, UK, and I wanted to try something new. So it was a new city, new country, and maybe time for a new technology to explore. 
and that's I came across blockchain, and that was the year when the Ethereum came out. So it was like I was fascinated by the by the amount of possibilities opened by by smart contracts, and I totally uh, stuck in that ecosystem. And, and since that moment, I really happy. I'm super happy that I discovered blockchain Ethereum. It was an amazing journey, and I started working at a startup that I co-founded with a few friends met in London. It was called Alice, and it was about transparent philanthropy. Uh, and we work on how the mm, data about some government and uh, charities activities can be used to, to automatically trigger payments. So we've done tons of really fascinating research, working with Imperial College London on data uh, accessibility and indexing on blockchain. And yeah, it was it was a amazing experience because we also work with truly amazing charities that utilize the service. But when the, the, the COVID struck, then definitely the the R&D budgets for public services are the first to take the hit. So uh, we decided to win down the startup activity and I was a smart contract auditor in, in the space. And also in the free time, I participated in, in various hackathons. And that was the, the moment when the DeFi actually took off. So work participating in the hackathons, I was looking for new interesting solutions. And for that, I often required a lot of data, like the information about token volatility, token volumes, or some commodities prices that weren't available on time at that moment. So that inspired me to look deeper. What was the reason that despite blockchain being like five years old, still missing tons of very important and needed information on chain? And what can we do to address that problem? And then I discovered Arweave, which offered a really um, amazing solution because from the research, the, the biggest issue that the data wasn't available on chain was actually the storage cost. So if you, let's say, for example, are to, to keep information about 100 assets and with a typical refresh interval like, like 10 minutes, then the whole, the whole uh, work will cost you something between $1 million or $2 million daily. So that was a really, really heavy bill for anyone to subsidize the ingest of information to, to blockchain. And I, I was talking about, I'm talking about the Ethereum blockchain at that moment. So definitely when I discovered Arweave, that was a like the real illumination moment for me. So the data could be secured, kept permanently and highly available at a fraction of cost of Ethereum. And obviously the trick was how to connect these two chains. How can you make the most of the affordable Arweave storage and still make the data available on other chains when 
a lot of activities are happening and when there's a huge demand for data. So in general, that's our that's the beginning of our story. I see. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing more about the genesis, if you will, of not only your, your interest in blockchain and Ethereum, uh, it sounds like it was an important move for you uh, physically and in, in moving to England and then um, starting a, an entity focused on charitable kind of work. Um, and then you've, you found this opportunity with storage. Um, so I appreciate you sharing a bit more about that. You know, one of the things that I'm curious about, given your your trajectory within the blockchain world, is is starting in the nonprofit sector. Um, that is pretty unique. Can you share a little bit about your perspective and and how that came to be? Uh, yes. So actually, it started during a hackathon in London. Uh, when I met two amazing uh, people that got the idea of how to use mm, a philosophy behind effective altruism and leverage the, the blockchain infrastructure to actually make it happen. So it was an idea roughly based on the social impact bonds when the, the public spending could be unlocked after service provider can prove that the help was actually delivered and blockchain with its transparency and ability to automatically trigger payments seemed to be a perfect technical infrastructure to implement that so so that was really cool idea it makes total sense let's just try to to put it into work so yeah and does that mentality, and the reason why I ask is it's pretty unique to have one of your initial journeys into the blockchain world and Ethereum um, at that moment in your life be in the nonprofit sector and the charitable side of things with effective altruism. Um, does, is that carrying over into Redstone by or via this notion of storing crop? data like why why is that important to you and is there any sort of um humanitarian component to your interest in storing that data or managing that data as well uh it's like hard to say for the whole redstone because uh, like at the moment uh seven of, of us in the company but i at least personally strongly believe that the that the technology apart from increasing efficiency could should take a positive impact on the on the surrounding world that's the purpose of of the of the progress so if we can utilize blockchain to to have a positive impact then definitely we we should do that and i'm glad to mention the the crops prices or or other initiatives like uh, the ability to connect data feeds about commodities can be used to to build solutions like insurance for farmers, etc. And, and we're super happy to see that there were a few teams trying to to hack a solution probably a few months ago on one of the hackathons uh, around that idea. Very cool. Yeah, this this bridge between the, the the digital blockchain block weave world into the physical world is fascinating and one that you know personally I find to be very compelling about the the, the potential of Redstone 
um, for multiple streams of, of data. Um, before we get into that, um, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear from Marcin um, and learn a little bit about your, your interest in, in the Blockweave and Rweave and blockchain and, and why Redstone? I mean, you're, you're putting a lot of energy in your life and, and, and focus into Redstone. What is it that or what are some things that really inspire you to work on Redstone? Thanks. Yeah. So basically, I started being interested in blockchain in 2017 and uh, was really fascinated in how Bitcoin and Ethereum at that time was developing uh, also as an ecosystem. I joined the first startup in Poland that was uh, analyzing the on-chain data of transactions on the Bitcoin, Bitcoin network. That particular startup didn't end up uh, too well, but uh, my passion stayed. Then later on, I was uh, trying to figure out what I would like to do uh, in my life. And at one point, I joined Google Cloud for education uh, journey. I was uh, working closely with universities. But uh, one day, Jakub wrote to me that he's uh, trying to create a new tool for blockchain developers to create a unique and totally new chapter for the web free space and whether I would like to help him out. That was definitely a tough choice, like uh, being in a big established company with uh, like, you know, a pretty steady uh, path down the road. But when I was talking more and more with Jakub and how much different the uh, architecture and approach of our Oracle is, then I was started feeling like, okay, this is the moment that you basically uh, do the switch uh, from, from what you thought before and you go uh, full forward. So I tried to understand more and more uh, how, how it works. And now I try to uh, spread the idea among the developers. And what is extremely fascinating is how they approach uh, this uh, paradigm shift. I mean, they are like, wow, we never thought that sticking uh, data feeds into the metadata would be possible. We would like to work on that. So that's my angle. So that was a, that was a big uh, leap from, uh, as from a career standpoint and your emphasis uh, leaving what sounds to be, you know, a, a maybe more standard job. I don't know if that's the appropriate language, a job that you saw a potential future with and a path forward. Um, was that uh, daunting for you or, you know, I'm just thinking about the listeners out there that are possibly working a job that maybe they're kind of okay with, however, they're fascinated with our weave, for example, and the block weave and like all the possibilities here. Um, can you speak a little bit more to that transition of changing from this job into this world of quote unquote web three? Yeah, so uh, definitely, like, this is uh, more um, rapid and everything changes so fast in the web free space. I mean, you see so many projects popping up, then growing extremely. And then after a few months, they might uh, lose the traction or attention because uh, something better has uh, evolved in the space. But uh, in general, I see this was a fantastic choice. Because here I can uh, meet people that are true believers in what they built. And basically, they try to uh, hit and solve 
problems that are relevant uh, for the community and for others, right? You're not working in just huge organization being uh, one of, of many. You're really making a change in that sense. Yeah, and, and just to add, you know, just from my own person, personal lens, um, the, the fact that this community is really international provides such a cool opportunity where some working environments may not have that that real global connectedness, um, this this industry, whatever you want to call it, this space is is amazing in that regard as well. Um, before we 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 dive into some of the other topics, of course, um, on on Redstone specifically, um, Jakob, I'm I'm curious to learn a little bit about the the state of Redstone, where it's at, and what type of funding you've received thus far. Sure. So. If I may just finish the, the previous thought about changing a career path, uh, let me maybe um, put a message that, that we are hiring at the moment, if I'm allowed to smuggle this small announcement. And please do not hesitate if you want to join a cool blockchain project. We're more than happy to talk with you. And we got a various position in, in software engineering, but also in community management, some software skills. Yes, yeah, so definitely we. We'd love to be the company that will give you exposure to, to PermaWeb and, and the blockchain world. So our current situation, we are at the end of the seed round. And it's still too early to, to announce it, but we were like super happy with the progress. And I think we, we, we secured our runway for the further expansion. That's great to hear. It's always nice to see uh, organizations and entities and so on within the ecosystem um, raising the funds required to put in the work, which there is, of course, a lot of work to be done. Um, now, as far as diving into Redstone, um, one of the things that I find really fascinating about ecosystems in general is the opportunity to learn and explore. And you all have created the Redstone Academy and uh, this is a place where you can go and you can, you know, create a PST. Um, you can you can create like a loot-like contract. For those of you familiar, loot is basically, you know, started as this, this string of words and then um, things are built from it. Uh, that was the, the, the original loot. And then Redstone, you all have your own loot contract. Um, maybe, uh, Marcin, can you share a, a little bit about your approach to onboarding developers onto Redstone and, and the importance of the Redstone Academy and your, your vision for that or the Redstone's vision for that? Yeah, sure. So, um, so far we're talking mainly about the Oracle that we built, but apparently we also have the second uh, product or angle, which is basically a smart contract uh, software development kit together with tools to write uh, smart with contracts on top of RWeave. And uh, we see quite a lot of uh, interest from developers into writing their own uh, application, utilizing this technology. That's the reason we uh, thought it would be great to create an academy for them to uh, put the first step into and build their first uh, PSD or loot-like contract. Of course, this is not the end. It's just the beginning for, for their journey. But uh, we want to uh, make uh, these resources available to many 
and then uh, try to engage them in new uh, projects uh, via either our academy or maybe open a foundry down the road. Yeah, and one thing I found interesting about the academy and the resources provided there is the approach that you all have taken is really from a very beginner state, um, setting up uh, environments for development and so on. Um, are you looking to expand like the journey of becoming a developer or what is the emphasis for someone that you'd like to see go through the academy? Yeah, so let's say we want to to onboard as many developers as, as possible from the traditional old-fashioned web to development. So we tried to, to minimize the Mm, the bar of accessing or starting mm, Web3 development, providing all of the necessary concepts or tools that, that many of more experienced developers seem like obvious, but we try to be as open as possible for the vast majority of Web2 developers to, to give them the chance to, to try the new cool thing, which is which is our with and, and smart with contracts. Makes sense. And it's, it's been nice uh, to explore the Academy and it'll be great to see it expand and, and grow um, to that point to enable more Web2 developers to, to come on board to Web3 and explore the block weave um, in particular. Now, as, as far as what you all have built out, um, you know, I've, I've worked with a number of developers within the Rweave ecosystem and, uh, and, you know, in the dev discord and so on. Um, and the SmartWeave SDK that, uh, that you all have created, um, it, it seems like a pretty important optimization for SmartWeave contracts, um, where sometimes the, the standard SmartWeave contracts can require minutes um, and sometimes there are corrupted transactions and, and things like that. And in your documentation, you, you share some examples of, of interactions with your, your SmartWeave SDK and the optimization, and it's pretty impressive. So if we, if we look at like one, one project that has in this particular time and so on, like over 280,000 interactions from Kive, um, the kind of standard SmartWeave contract required like over three minutes. And then the more standard Redstone SmartWeave contract required like, you know, a minute and a half. And then you had the cached version of the Redstone contract, SmartWeave contract. And that was just eight seconds um, to bring up these, these transactions and, and, and load, you know, the contract interactions in seconds and not minutes. So we're talking from like over three minutes to like eight seconds using the cache version. Um, Jakob, can you speak to that? Like, how is this possible at a high level? Like what, what's, what's going on behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. Sure. So first of all, the, the big shout out to, to the amazing Kive team. That was a, a perfect use case for us to actually focus on the on the optimizations and improvement to the SDK. And, and basically the challenge was created by the by the architecture behind SmartWeave where you on the one hand side you get the, the code and all of the inputs transactions and on the other hand the state 
which is usually mm, evaluated at every interaction in SmartWave is like almost not existent. It's something ephemeral. So this gives you amazing freedom of recomputing the state from, from scratch by anyone. So you can use various mm, modules to do that. You can use various clients. You store only the minimal amount of data. So that's this amazing freedom. But also at the cost of this freedom, there are some, some issues with, with performance. So at the beginning, it was expected that every client will recompute the state from the beginning. And obviously it may take a long time. And to recompute the state, you need a previous uh, state or a state from a previous block or maybe a state of another contract. So that path of computation in the very naive way was to put it mildly suboptimal. And what we've done was to, to create a various, various caching layers so we can cache both the, the smart contract code and we can co-cache different contracts involved in the computation, mostly to, to, or, or to maximally speed up the whole process. So, so basically we, we made some, some changes in, in the steps the contracts are evaluated, utilizing caching techniques and memoization at various levels, simply to, to increase that overall performance. It's really, it really is fun to see, and I'll use that word because um, one of the developers I'm working with, uh, you know, found Redstone and, and the Smart SmartWeave SDK that you all offer, and and the cache component was a big aha. You know, it just makes sense. It's just, it it doesn't require you know going through all the data set every single time. You can get much faster speeds and and reduce that redundancy that that many can experience um, developing with with SmartWeave. Uh, in more of a standard state. So uh, appreciate, uh, a token of appreciation for you and team um, building this out as we see more developers and more projects interact with SmartWeave. This is an important area of growth opportunity. And on that note, uh, Marcin, I'm, I'm curious of your perspective on, on growth. And, um, you know, this is uh, a bit of an aside. However, you know, you all created this loot-like experience um, uh, this, this loot contract, um, you know, which allows individuals to generate and transfer different kind of magical assets as, as you've just, as, as you have on your, your site. Um, and that had quite a few interactions thus far. Uh, Marcin, can you share a little bit about your, your perspective on maybe growth and, uh, these, these opportunities to bring individuals in maybe what you're working on or, maybe what's next as far as what the community may see going forward. Yeah, thanks. Sure. So with the loot contract, it is uh, fairly easy to interact with as you just needed to click, click mint in order to have a chance to get one of uh, 1000 uh, assets that, that were over there present. Uh, we saw it as a really engaging uh, tool with the community and uh, all of the items were uh, basically created uh, extremely quickly beyond our expectations definitely 
but uh, we try to create uh, new and new uh, use cases for our contracts to show the community that we are really in the just beginning of the path of creating uh, extremely usable uh, applications on top of smart reef. So an example, during last NFT hack, we created Beastie Land which was basically an NFT collection that was changing according to uh, environmental uh, climate changes. So uh, for our proof of concept, whenever a temperature changed uh, globally, um, then the NFT characteristics was, was changing. Either an animal was uh, dying or had an offspring. So it just shows the potential of the uh, smart weave uh, contracts as they are way more optimized for computing than on any other chain. And when it comes to the growth itself, we uh, talk a lot with other projects that are based on uh, r -Weave right now, such as uh, Pianity, Accord, uh, or uh, R-Drive. And we try to understand what kind of needs there are from these projects and pain points that they encounter and then create our products uh, accordingly, because then we know for the whole community, it will be beneficial. Yeah, it is, it is cool to have high touch interactions with this technology, because sometimes it can be so difficult to just think about it, you know, and, and I feel like an, a core component of the growth mechanism is to actually interact with it without much limitation. And I feel like that loop project is a great example. So it'll be fun to see what you all create next on, on that end. Um, Jakob, I'm, I'm interested in exploring uh, the, the Redstone EVM connector. And um, as I understand it, this is a, a, a tool for injecting trusted pricing data into EVM compatible blockchains. Um, can you share a little bit about why this matters, what it is, and just some some high level kind of introduction to what this is all about? Mm -hmm. Sure. So so EVM connector is this magic link that tries to brings together the two words. So so the first word is this amazing perma web when the storage is affordable and you can put tons of data and the second world is at the chains when you actually need tons of data to to power the existing protocols like the like the DeFi systems or nft systems or kind of insurance application etc so the way it works uh, is mm, in our view quite innovative and, and creative. So we use traditional transactions, standard transactions initiated by any user in the blockchain universe to carry with some extra payload, like the data about assets, for example, together with the original transaction. And we prepare a library that will automatically take the data from our, from our oracles Obviously, the data is uh, secured with proper signatures, and the data is appended to a traditional user transaction, almost in a in a very transparent way for them. So it looks like a 
simply interacting with, uh, with a typical DeFi protocol. And then we intercept this extra payload, the hidden message within the target protocol. We authorize the, the origin of interaction. So it comes from a trusted source, from a trusted provider on a target chain. And then we make it available within the protocol. So then all of the, the users are being let's say utilize for carrying the extra information and appending that data to to a structure called called data in the it's a evm compatible world is actually extremely cheap so we find a, a bit of a hackish solution to to cheaply inject information to to the evm compatible chains so as as i understand it um it's basically like instead of going straight to like data on on EVM storage and on a, like you know via Ethereum, which is prohibitively expensive, of course, you know over a hundred thousand dollars for a megabyte type of thing. Um, this this information is brought onto Arweave only when needed. That's the part that I'm not totally clear. Like, yeah. Okay. Sure. So so the the data is brought on Arweave. All the time. So that's our, let's say, referential point. That's our magical world when the data is, is actually cheap and, uh, and present all the time. But we do not put that directly on a target chain like Ethereum or, or Avalanche or Celo. Uh, on that chain, we make it available only within a context of a single transaction. So when I'm interacting with a protocol and I need data, the data is available only on this very short moment, has been attached to a, to a transaction, and then the data disappears when the transaction ends. So, so we, we take the data from Arweave and we make it available on demand only for a period of a transaction. Therefore, we do not need to store it. So, so that's the way of kind of like a flash access to, to information only when you truly need it to, to execute or to interact with a protocol. I see. Okay. So that's the flash action. And then that's the, the on-demand fetching component. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause reading through the documents and everything, there, there's some things that kind of need, you know, further explanation, at least for myself as, as an individual and possibly the listeners. Um, that flash component, it does sound like, like an innovation. Um, I, I'm curious, how does, like, what if a, a transaction, you know, takes a really long time or like, you know, if, if it's dropped and it's pinged again and like it, 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 it continues like a, a loop uh, on that end, does it just continue to flash that storage available or what what sort of optimizations uh, at a high level can you can you share on, on how that works? Mm -hmm. So uh, the EVM blockchain that we spent most of time of integration is kind of a transactional system. So everything happens within an atomic transaction, and the data is present there. And apart. And despite the fact that we append it to, to this single transaction, try getting one protocol, it's still possible for the data to, 
be passed on to another protocol or to another contract. So it can also migrate not only with a user transaction, but also with internal calls between contracts. So to give like 99% of the of the convenience of using data almost like being taken from directly from storage at a very fraction of the cost of the typical data access in Ethereum. So that was our, our mission. And so far we get a very positive feedback from all of the projects that are integrating with us. Very cool. And so this is just a, a personal uh, question for you yourself, Jakob. Um, there's a lot of at least perceived complexity here. There's a lot going on. You know, at Redstone, you, you, you built out so many different things already and there's more to come. Um, how do you think about this stuff? I mean, are you going on long walks? Like, what is your process for orienting yourself to the opportunity and the architecture of this entity that we're calling Redstone? What does that, what does that look like? I know it's a broad question. I'm just kind of curious of, you know, a little bit of, of your, your perspective and how your mind orients itself in, in constructing all this. I mean, is it, is it, is it constantly in the back of your mind? thinking about the next big problem or how do you how do you work with this hmm. i know it's like really tough it's sometimes like you know like with, with inspiration it just magically appears from the thin air but i think it really helped i think the, the fact that helped me most was the was being the smart contract auditor and got experience to like dozens of different protocols so we see different patterns problems etc so that's super helpful. And obviously I can recommend the blockchain space to anyone who is looking for interesting challenges or who'd like to who got a, like a hacker approach, try to build something cool, innovative, because we got a tons of possibilities. Everything is fresh. Every protocol is trying to build something new. So there is this great opportunity to, to come up with a new idea and and the, the community is willing to experiment, which is also amazing. Probably in a traditional finance, even if you got a creative idea, it will take you tons of time to actually put it in, in implementation and production. But here, everyone likes to try new stuff. So that's that's amazing place. Yeah, so it sounds like it's just a great fit for you as an individual to explore, iterate, innovate, and just make things happen in a timely fashion, whereas other industries may, may take a little bit longer. Of course, building uh, building on on the block weave and, and blockchain can require um, at, at times uh, more energy because it is so fresh. Um, it is amazing to hear. And, and, you know, I've always thought that those smart contract auditors out there in the world, and if anyone's listening, it's like, must have so many ideas, seeing some inefficiency in, in some contract and seeing it reappear over and over through the various contracts that are being audited. I mean, that, that must have been a wild ride for you, Jakob. I mean, can you, can you share a little bit more about that and, uh, and your experience and how that, how that mentality comes into to play at Redstone? Yeah, so I enjoyed the, the time I spent uh, being the, the smart contract auditor. Yeah, it's like you, you simply got like two weeks to to learn about new business model, about new new protocol, new ideas, and like especially in DeFi, tons of creative stuff happening. So yeah, what can I say? It was 
great journey, but obviously it's more like a mm, passive activity because you you read someone else's creation. And obviously it's very tempting to try to, to build something on your own. So yeah, I'm also super happy that I get the opportunity to work on Redstone and and the fact that I, we've got an amazing team. And it, so the, all of the ideas are not only mine. We got the great developers uh, and it's a great place to be. And and on that note of, you know, Redstone being a great place to be and, you know, work, your history of working um, with a number of, of smart contracts and everything, it sounds, it seems like, and sounds like there are uh, a number of other chains that are interested in supporting data, providing data, interacting with, with Redstone. Um, Marcin, can you share a bit of what is next for Redstone as far as bringing in um, other, other chains into the, 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 the data set, the oracles and, and all of this that you provide? Sure. Yeah, but first I would like to share a really quick anecdote about uh, Jakub being a smart contract auditor. That's pretty funny because when when uh, we were getting uh, more ready and prepared for an audit with our code, Jakub asked me to do a research and basically ask for auditors around the space. And at least half of the recommendations I got was to, were to Jakub because people were uh, unaware that he is the creator, and then when he when, when they heard that Jakub wrote it, uh, many times they go like, "Okay, so I don't know whether I can recommend anyone more reliable than he is." So that was pretty uh, funny story. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, that's that's part of part of the reason why I wanted to really dive into that um, experience that you have, Jakub, because it's extraordinary in so many ways. And to hear that, uh, Marcin, uh, it, it definitely um, makes a lot of sense uh, of, of how, you know, an individual like yourself, Jakub, can can manage <laughs> all of what goes on at, at Redstone and the complexity. Go on, Marcin. Yeah, so when it comes to the other chains, uh, that's extremely uh, crucial for, for us that we are EVM compatible uh, from the very beginning as the design, right? So we don't have to adjust our solution for uh, next and next chain to, to get into. Uh, right now, we have uh, first working integration on Celo blockchain uh, that uh, is with a CyberTime uh, NFT project and the other one with uh, Moolah Market, which is the leading uh, lending protocol on Celo. This is the ecosystem that we believe in uh, quite a lot as well for, for the further development and would like to provide various types of data, not only like financial information, but maybe uh, data related with the environment, uh, carbon footprint and developing economies. The other chain that right now we are uh, putting quite a lot of effort into is Avalanche. Uh, as of the release of this episode, either we are currently at Avalanche Summit in Barcelona or we were like a couple of days ago. So uh, we've got uh, one uh, first working uh, integration del there with Delta Prime project, which is prime brokerage uh, environment. And th this is uh, fantastic to, to see uh, like how well 
the infrastructure handles the uh, the traffic over there and uses uh, using utilizing the platform. And what is going to be next? We'll see where is the need. So with Redstone, we really would like to have the approach of uh, what are the problems of developers and where are the needs, and then we address them rather than building randomly like new features. So that's uh, how basically the whole story of our contracts SDK started. Then we got uh, requests like it would be cool to have an explorer for uh, smart with contracts. So we brought Sonar into the system. Right now, people can see the smart with contracts via this tool. Uh, we saw the problem of beginners in the space. So we brought uh, Redstone Academy. There is also like a dedicated gateway and sequencer. And last but definitely not least, recently we got fantastic feedback about our public testnet that the ecosystem can, can uh, try out. So to summarize, we want to have the approach of where we are needed, there we are going to integrate, but uh, the EVM chains one by one, we want to be present at. Well, that's great to see that there are larger connections happening within other chains like Avalanche and Celo. Um, it sounds like a lot of work has been already put into place and a lot more uh, opportunity coming into the Arweave ecosystem, which I think is so important to make note of. You know, these these connections that you all are doing and creating and providing, facilitating, it, you know, this is the Permweb Pioneers podcast, right? Focused on the Arweave ecosystem in particular and the work that you all are doing, connecting the dots, if you will, is so important for the Arweave ecosystem at large as we grow collectively. Um, so again, just appreciate the work that you all are doing um, you know, similar to in a, in a different way, of course, like the, the work that Kive is doing, bringing in a bunch of chains um, and validating that data and, and, and serving it up. Um, it's great to see that you all are, are, are working with other chains and it sounds like a lot more to come on, on that end. So, yeah, you mentioned a few different tools you've built out. You built out the Sonar, Smart, smart Weave, Smart Contract, um, Explorer, uh, really, I think, well-designed um, you have the Redstone Gateways and the Academy, of course. Um, so you have you have a lot of things that the, the listeners and, and explorers of the ecosystem can can uh, can you know just navigate and and learn. Um, Marcin, is there anything in particular that you'd really love the listeners to do? Like, is there something that um, is top of mind that you'd like to see individuals interact with more or just an area that maybe isn't being fully represented as like a big opportunity just because it's so new or, or whatever it may be. Anything that you'd like to point the listener to, um, uh, perhaps? Yeah, so with all these tools, uh, like definitely uh, we love hearing feedback and basically what people think about them. So that's uh, valuable on our Discord or any other channel. Uh, right now, we are uh, working uh, quite close with Open Web Foundry as well. We share resources and some uh, tips on how to help the uh, new developers uh, to uh, interact with our uh, like smart contracts SDK. And uh, in general, as Jakub mentioned before, right now we are closing the seed round. So we'll be really looking for talents and people who are excited about 
helping the whole, uh, of course, Arive ecosystem grow, but also Redstone in particular from both sides, like oracles and contracts and whoever, who knows what else, right? Because the, the space is extremely rapid and quick. So uh, one thing if I would like to, to ask people is recommend talents and uh, bring us the, the uh, folks that are really interested in doing something innovative. Yeah, great. So, so a lot of opportunities and sound like a lot of hiring opportunities given your, your funding, which will be uh, great to hear once that is more public and, and learn about the, the scope and, and the scale of that, because it sounds like you really do have a big operation and a big opportunity here. Um, Jakob, anything you'd like to share with the listener um, or, or just, just general thoughts uh, about Redstone and, and where you're headed? Yeah, so I want everyone to to look a bit closer of what we are doing and if they find it interesting. So either in leveraging our services. So if they need data for their own hobby project, for their work project, like the protocol they're working with, or if they would like to kickstart their idea on a perma web and they need a good smart contract framework, to to make it work then then we invite them to to get in touch with us and we're like super happy to to assist in the journey great well thank you so much for being on this episode of permaweb pioneers again this is Jakob, the founder of redstone.finance and marcin the head of growth of redstone.finance um, providing these highly customizable DeFi data streams that are delivered quickly, reliably, and, and are cost effective. Um, it's been really great speaking with both of you. Appreciate the work that you all are doing in connecting other chains to the PermaWeb, which I find to be so vitally important at this stage in the growth of the Arweave ecosystem. So again, just the tip of the hat um, of the work that you all are doing. And uh, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was our pleasure. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's great to be for, for forever at the Permaweb Pioneers podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Permaweb Pioneers, a podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the Permaweb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.